What is up? I am Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And before we jump into the podcast, just want to remind you to check out my band that just came back online here for 2022. It's called Run With It. You can follow us at Run With It Band everywhere TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. At Run With It Band, we have uh, we're rolling out new NFT collections here soon. We're going to be re-releasing an EP and new music coming out, brand new music coming out late 2022. So make sure you check it out, or you can go to RunWithItBand.net. With that, we also are doing a five to ten minute daily podcast of the progress that we are making as a band and talking about our overarching goals as a band as well. If you want to check that out, it's called Run With It Daily, and you can go to RunWithItBand.net runwiththeband.net and check that out as well. Now, getting on to today's episode. On today's episode of Live and Create, we have Nathan M. Weber. Nathan is a singer, songwriter, and producer based out of Chicago, Illinois. And uh, we met at an APCA college showcase down in Houston. Uh, it was right before uh, the whole 2022 thing, the whole shutdown came as my last tour as a solo artist. And uh, we connected and just had great conversations there. So it was cool to have him on the podcast and continue those conversations. And in this episode, he shares about his journey of turning himself into a producer during COVID and how his positive focus carried him through these crazy past few years. We also talk about fitness, mental well-being, and the overall creative process. It's a great episode. Enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. Day is starting out good for you? Yep. Uh, a little meditation. Just got out of the gym, so I I, nice. use, I could use the extra couple of minutes anyway. So <laughs> I know good, that was, good. I was out on a bike ride today, and uh, I all of a sudden I I look to my right, and the whole sky is just black, and then it starts lightning, and I'm like, oh, oh damn! <laughs> and I was still I think like five ten miles from home, something like that. So I just started booking it, and I was supposed to run yes. after that, and I was like, I'm not going to run in the lightning. I'm going to wait till this shit blows over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good call. Yeah, it was it was a rough one, but but yeah, man, hitting the gym. Are where you lifting today? What are you up to? Yeah, I did I did uh, just like some secondary muscle groups today. Uh, I'll do a uh, like the stationary bike this afternoon after I get back from work. But that's what I usually lift in the morning, do some sort of cardio in the afternoon. I like awesome, to split man. it out that way. Yeah, that's every day for you. Pretty much, yeah. I I would say six seven days a week. You know, oh yeah, man. It, a, a lot of it depends on like how my body feels and stuff. And, uh, I like, I like, I like to do it. Like I really enjoy it. So, you know, I, I if I can be in there in seven days and still have all my energy to do everything else, I, like I want to do it. Cause I, it just does something for me, you know? Right. Yeah. There's something about it for me. It's almost like a, a Zen kind of place, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, I like days I don't get to work out in some capacity. I just feel like it feels off. Like Sundays are usually, I take Sundays just as to force myself not to work out, let my body rest a little right, bit. Right. But, uh, but in general, like if I miss a day, it's like, usually I'm just a little more cranky than I normally am or a little more anxious. I don't know. It, it helps out a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it does a lot for those, uh, those stress hormones, especially if you do it, if you do it in the morning when you wake up with all the extra stress hormones and stuff and you get to, exude it through lifting or cardio or something like that. It really, it really helps. Right. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Well, and I remember you were really into fitness. Like when we first met was 
as Houston, I believe, uh, Houston, yep. about six months before the world completely changed. Yes. And uh, none of us had any fucking idea that that, no. that, that no. was going to happen. <laughs> We're having no. the time of our lives showcasing, booking shows, all sorts of stuff. And uh, but yeah, I think I was doing a ton of lifting at the time. And you helped me realize I was eating like 70% too much protein or something. I can't even remember what it was. You yes. showed me, you're like, yo, bro, what the hell are you doing? Cause I'm like, man, yeah. all I'm doing is eating protein, some form of protein every, yes. like I had read somewhere I needed, I don't know, however many grams it was at that time. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it definitely helped when I was like, oh, this is great. I don't have to like drink three muscle milks and eat five pounds of chicken a day. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot, a lot of that, a lot of that stuff is like, uh, protein supplement companies funded articles and stuff. So uh, you know, that way they, they say like what, two grams of protein per body, like pound and mass. Like, right. I don't know. Some of that, that, it gets a little crazy, but I mean, I was there before I used to do that. Like I was eating like 300 grams of protein a day and I, I didn't notice really any difference in progress when I cut it back. Right. Yeah. And it's just a lot easier to not eat that much protein yes. <laughs> in a day, especially yeah. when I was too, like I was on a two week tour at that time I had a cooler like full of okay. shit just like all day trying to eat constantly keep it up but that's what I told you I was like I'm 230 I can't lose weight but I feel like I, like I keep building muscle more and more of course and but yeah, yeah it's like I was also packing on a bunch of fat because and I was trying to do keto at the same time and like I didn't realize it and you had broken down and I went and researched it more too about how the protein basically turns into is it glucose or something like that yeah, carbohydrates basically. Yeah. Actually, a carbohydrate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, like spikes yeah. your maybe it spikes your glucose or something like that. Like just kind of fucks your system, especially if you're trying to do keto. And I realized yeah, I was high, working high, against myself. Yeah, high protein and keto doesn't work too well. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, that was that was crazy too because that was my first time ever doing one of the show, one of those showcases. Yeah, and I, I booked my first couple like college shows and stuff, and then of course oh, it yeah. never happened. Exactly. <laughs> 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 yeah, I had some stuff. We're like, yeah, we'll bring you in the spring, and yeah, the spring yeah, we exactly. were all like figuring out what the hell life was going on. But uh, but yeah, the for the listeners, we were at a APCA. Was that APCA Nationals? I can't even remember which one it was. I believe, I believe so. Maybe it was APCA Nationals in Houston, where uh, where we we basically just get up in front of what is a few hundred college students and showcase yep. and uh if they like you they book you and they, <laughs> ideally but then yeah. COVID happened and uh so yeah are you looking to do any more this upcoming year any more showcases right yeah. now yeah yeah so so right now during COVID I, I taught myself how to produce and uh nice. and just like work inside the uh the DAWs and things like that so I'm actually doing a lot more of that for other people That's so awesome. I do need to get around to uh producing my own things but right now like the things i'm getting paid for are not my own things so uh <laughs> once i once i get my own project off the road i'll probably be looking to book some shows again but for right. now i'm i'm really liking this uh production thing and i'm doing doing some writing and stuff so that's kind of where my focus is right now that's awesome so you you had not produced at all then before COVID no. started and so right. was it was it right in the beginning you're like shit i gotta leverage this time or was it a process for you just to jump into that um, so in the beginning of COVID, like when they told us it was two weeks, I believed it was only going to be two weeks. Like everyone else did, Didn't we all? you know, <laughs> and, um, once, once it became very clear that we were going to be in this for a long time, I want to say 
that was probably around end of April, May. I think all of us started realizing that this was going to be a, a long trip. I was like, I'm not going to, I can't go a year without making music. And yeah. I'm not, you know, no, no one wants to get in the studio. No one wants to be in those close quarters and stuff. So <laughs> I basically bit the bullet. I already had like logic on my computer and stuff. Like I was uh, around a lot of producers when I was living in California still. So I, I was, I was seeing the process a lot and I finally just went, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure this out. So, and also too, yeah, you know, like, like you said, leverage your time. I, I remember just a lot of like, I, I read a lot, listen to a lot of like, uh, you know, the great self-help people. And they always talked about how the, some people, when the, when the market crashed, took that as an opportunity when everyone else was fearful to make something out of themselves. And so yeah, I Rockefeller I, that, started borrowing more money and buying more shit up during that. So, <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, I kept it in the back of my head and I'm like, well, I, I, I can choose to come out of this way different in a way better place. And the next time something like this happens, I won't be so reliant on other people, other jobs or, you know, you know what I'm saying? So that was kind of the Absolutely. motivation behind it. That's awesome, man. That's very cool. Um, yeah. I saw a quote from, I think it was Napoleon Hill on your Instagram on there. So was yes. that some of the reading you were doing? That, that was one, that was like one of the first, I guess the gateway books that I read, but mm -hmm. that, that line always sticks to me, take possession of your mind and uh, direct it to whatever means you desire. I think that's like a really profound and important, I don't know what you would call it, uh, something I live by. Because right. at the end of the day, you know, we can get so caught up in um, politics or disagreements or opinions and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, if you want your life to go better, you've got to take possession of the way you think and take and, and take responsibility for that. And your yeah. life will turn out great. And I think that's like one of my things that like, I don't get into too many heavy topics with people. I just always bring them back to that, you know? Right. Absolutely. Well, and that's, I, I became like a, for a season, I, I felt like I was a social justice warrior on online and uh, realized it, it came to like, it, it produced no fruit essentially. And it yeah. basically, uh, it just felt like it destroyed a lot of things and made me angry and frustrated all the time. Yeah. And, it was actually a good friend of mine uh, who we, we think very, we see the world very similarly. Um, he's very, very progressive. I would say I'm like very progressive. He adds like an extra berry maybe. <laughs> but yeah, what he yeah. told me, he, he was like, he's like, you know what, man? I realized none of that was going to come to like anything productive. So I just decided I'm going to put all my energy into my own work and somehow impact the world through that. And so that, that really changed some things for me. And in a sense, it, it sounds like he was saying almost what you're saying in a, in a different way, where it's like, I'm going to focus on what I can do to make the world a better place instead of fucking arguing nonstop with people <laughs> left and right uh, and, and leveraging that. And then so he chooses like to put the money he makes from the work he does creatively into like actual things that are making a difference in the world, uh, which, yeah. which inspired me and inspired me a ton. Yeah, I, th I, th I think one of the things I was thinking about a lot, especially when it was like, you know, the election was coming up and it was really intense and like the you could like cut the air with a knife outside, you know, like I was just thinking like, listen, I could die on this hill of what I think this, the, what the reality of the situation is, or I can make more of myself and make myself influential and do something where I could benefit others. And then right. ultimately that goes a lot further than me just 
telling people what I think in the moment, you know? <laughs> right. Our, our you opinions know? will save the world, right? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's, a, there's another. Often think. <laughs> to come back to Napoleon Hill, there's another quote where he says, opinions are free and they're worth just as much. Absolutely. It's so true. So I always, I always think about that a lot too, because, you know, I get, I get charged just like anybody else. I get emotional about certain topics, but I always ask myself, is this an opinion or is this, is what I'm about to say even database or not, or is it just my emotional opinion yeah. in the moment? And if it is, I just try to keep my mouth shut, you know? Absolutely. And then when I think of the online stuff is typically I'm arguing with people that I never see, um, where I've gotten yeah. some pretty heated arguments with friends over the last year, uh, probably caused some strain, but the difference was, is we actually know each other and we care about each yes. other and you, yes. you can, over time, you can work those things out where, uh, and find understanding. Uh, where, yeah, a lot of people is just like, almost like faceless people where it just turns into fuck you, you now fuck you, fuck off. Yeah. And, and it, yeah. and to know, no benefit of anybody, no growth in knowledge, like you said, and, and data and understanding what the world really looks like. So yeah, I feel that man. That's cool. And it does seem like following you over the pandemic, it seemed like you really did go on this. I don't know if you call it spiritual, but like, um, is spiritual such an ambiguous word, but some kind of journey for yourself, maybe an inward yes. journey of growth yes. um, during that time. Uh, what were some of the other things that popped out for you uh, during that inward journey? So there was one, there was, there was, um, there's this website called mindvalley.com and they do like this like a uh, year long membership. And it's basically like a bunch of courses, Anything from meditation to um, mindset to business, all these, all sorts of things. It's a pretty remarkable thing. And for the pandemic, it was just what I needed. So I was able to take like five different courses at once, like this topic, this topic, this topic. So th there was a lot of things too. Like, I think like a lot of us, we, we, um, our eyes were open to a lot of the way that things work that we maybe didn't know that's mm -hmm. the way it was before, but we had all this time to like kind of observe it and sit back especially those of us who are more like seekers, I guess you would say. But I think a lot of things that popped out for me were like, I grew, I grew up in like a, uh, like a faith-based community. And a lot of what I was taught was like, always get uh, a ton of advice, always ask, basically get permission what you're going to, when you're going to do something, you know, like, and so a lot, a lot, I grew up with a lot of second guessing in my life. Right. Yeah. Like, not trusting my intuition, not trusting my, what my emotions were telling me, not trusting like my, uh, my, my inner wisdom and stuff like that. So that was one thing I really, uh, decided to go after last year was to tap into my intuition, learn how to use that. Of course, creatively, that's like where all the, all the sauce comes from anyway. Um, but also too, like when I decided to move back to Chicago, that was like an intuition based decision. I wasn't, um, second guessing it. It just felt right. It felt like the right thing to do. So that, that was probably one of the best gifts that quarantine gave me. It was like, and even too, oh, with like the fact that the fact <clears throat> that I'm able to even get hired for production already within a year, a lot yeah. of that's because like when I'm producing, I'm, I'm letting the intuition guide the process as much as possible. And if, and if I get too heady about a situation or I get too in my thoughts about the project I'm working on, I, I put it away because that's, that's, I'm about to, that's cool. I'm about to, I'm about to ruin it, you know? Right. So that's awesome. That was, that was, I, I love that. I love that. Cause that's, I know for me, it's funny. Uh, I didn't grow up in a faith-based world. Uh, but in high school, I, I like gave myself fully to that kind of world. <laughs> and yep, so for yep. a good, I would say 20 years, um, I, 
I can relate to what you're saying. It was this, at least the environments, I'm sure people are listening right now and they're probably like, no way, that's not the way I grew up in my faith-based world. Yeah, yeah, if yeah, not, that's yeah. cool. But my the, my journey was similar where it became this thing where it's like you had to have mentors kind of like almost sign off on things, not yes. if officially, but it you became this, it became this place of not trusting your heart. Um, and yes. it, ironically, it was uh, one of my last pastors um, who he was the first person to ever challenge me in that idea of actually trusting myself and trusting my, like, and going after the questions I had, I, I say ironically, because it was actually that journey that led me to walk away from the faith. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, but I'm still so grateful to his mentorship in that because it was the first time I'd, I had learned to like, really grab a hold of like, here's the thoughts that I'm having. Here's the questions I have. I really want to wrestle these out and see those. And then like, I'm smiling, obviously people don't see this on video, but I was smiling as you were talking so big because creatively, as I've been in the studio, uh, me and the producer I'm working with, it's been that same process of like, I don't know, fuck it. Let's try it. It feels good. Does it feel good? All right, let's do it. All right. And then you just keep building and growing and, and it's a fun process to embrace that in creativity. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say too, uh, cause just in case there are some faith people, faith people watching, like I don't regret my my childhood growing up in there. Like I definitely have a lot of great things that I didn't work for because I was in that in that community. Like a lot of character traits that I take for granted, I'm sure, that right. I got from just being there, being able to talk to all sorts of people from different backgrounds and things like that. And of course, like the whole like coming together around one purpose is uh, translatable to anything you're doing. So I think that's that's powerful. But then also, yeah, again, like, uh, the studios, the studios crazy, especially when you're working with somebody you're comfortable with, because I know there's times where like, I listen to a song the next day that we worked on and I'm like, I don't even know how I'd, I don't, I have to go back and see what I even did. Like, what, what was that? <laughs> what, what did I do? Where, where did I pull that sound from? What, what made me choose those plugins? But when you're in right. the fire and you're trusting yourself, like amazing things happen. It's like that flow state, you know, um, yes. whether like, I find it in running and swimming a lot, not necessarily in biking. Biking is just hard for me, but <laughs> I get yeah, that, that yeah. flow place. And then when I have just my guitar and logic, I could sit there. It yes. could be like, I could start at noon and it could be midnight. I'm like, what the hell just happened? I'd like, yep. where did time go? You get in oh, that yeah. flow and it's, it's exciting. So, but I, I oh, feel yeah. you too on the faith thing where my, I mentioned in a few podcasts back, uh, where my wife's encouraged me. She's been like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of thing. She's yeah. like, you, there's still a lot of good things you glean from that season of your life. Cause I went through a season of like anger and stuff, um, all that. And, uh, but yeah, it's now, it's like, where are the things that you can grow from and that you love? But, but yeah, yeah. I, 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 I feel you on that one <laughs> too, to anyone yeah. who's out there <laughs> listening yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, man, that's, and you said something in there too, is someone you trust. Uh, when you work with a producer, uh, not every artist has had the opportunity to. And so right. like for me, that's a huge piece. The producer that worked with my previous band, uh, it was definitely about, we had to find the trust and I had known him for years, but there's a different level of trust when you're, it's like your little babies you bring into somebody and you're like, Hey, craft my little yeah. babies for me. And, yeah. uh, even the new producer that I I'm actually working with, uh, three different producers right now, but all of them come out of like really seeking out understanding and trust. And then once you find that, oh man, so many possibilities. Are, are you, so now are you bringing like songs you've already written and then saying, help me make this elevate this, or are you guys writing it together? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, right now it's me uh, in my home studio, kind of right here, crafting songs. Um, as I describe them as skeletons, and yep. it's like here, here's a skeleton, and then on my when I'm coming to a producer, I'm looking for them to put the flesh on it, uh, put the skin on it, put the you know, like like you know, kind of dress it up in. And yep. what I love, what I'm always looking for is someone who can take my vision, get my vision, but then say, guess what you didn't see? And then suddenly it becomes this new fresh thing that, so my hope is that whenever I go perform it, like if I'm doing a solo acoustic show, I hope my song sounds different than on the recording because I want a different right. vision. And then when I play it with a band, even then I want to discover yet a new vision of that same exact yeah. song, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Because like, and also too, when you bring players into the mix, you know, like they bring their, all their years of experience to it. I always love Absolutely. to, um, I always love to send, like, say I get a song almost done, but something's missing. I'll just like send it off to a keyboard player. Or I'll send it off to a bassist or I'll send it off to like, sometimes rarely other guitar players. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, just to like, it's missing something. I need something. And then normally it comes back and you're like, yeah, that, whatever that was, that's, that's what we were looking for. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. Is, oh, good. No, no, it's all right. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I um I'm doing a couple different type of type of produ production right now. I'm wearing different hats depending on who I'm working with. I'm sure that's with every producer. But like, for instance, like I produce for my sister, and she's a she's a amazing songwriter. Yeah, I was um, seeing that on that. You were sharing some of it on your uh, page as well. Yeah, and and so that that situation is different because there's no song no song exists before we come together. And then we leave wow. after, after a night and there's a song exists now, you know? And, uh, a lot of that has to do with, of course, like we know each other, there's a lot of trust. We know each other our whole lives, obviously, but like we come in, we start with something simple. Like usually I'll start as simple as like a, like a bass and like a sub, like a sub bass or something like that. And then that's one of the best places to start. I love a good bass synth, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feel well, it in your chest. <laughs> that's, that's one thing that production taught me was how important bass lines are. You know, like, oh, of yeah. course I knew it. I've always had a bass player around me, but like until you're like producing and then you add that bass line in, you're like, oh my gosh, what? And so <laughs> we'll, we'll start that. We'll start that simple or maybe like some chords and stuff until she gets excited. And then usually she's like, I need to get on the microphone and then we'll just, we'll track it all. And then we'll go and dress it up later. So that's a different process. But like, I have, someone I'm working with that's like you where like he's bringing me a full song. He's been playing it out forever. You know, he's, he's got a, is a, is a way of playing acoustic. You know, he's like, you're not necessarily a um, theory genius or anything like that, but his songs are awesome. So then that comes with like, Hey, let's, let's wrestle this arrangement to the ground and let's hold it down. So we get something that we can, a skeleton we can work on, but that's right. a, just a totally different approach than just creating a song at night, you know? Absolutely, man. What do you find more enjoyable or do you like each one for its own reasons? Yeah, I like both for both reasons. I mean, I think I was, I, I am an artist and I was an artist a long time before I became a producer, right? So I had my fair share of good producer experiences and terrible producer experiences. And, you know, like they, I, I, I don't know who said this, but I think a lot of people have said this, but like when, if you keep on um identifying a problem you're probably the one that needs to fix that problem you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah you know we I mean? actually that's the thing we say at our house a lot to be honest <laughs> where yeah. it's like if you find yourself in in that same situation over and over again sometimes you have to start looking internally like even to the point where maybe it's just you're choosing the wrong situation maybe you're not doing something wrong but you might be just choosing the wrong person or wrong situation so there's some kind of ownership 
that you got to take. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I, so I think I, I enjoy the production process because I understand the plight of the artist. Like I understand, like you know, artists are paying money, of course, for the time and to get it done. And then, of course, the artist has all this passion, all this backstory, and all this intention to get it out there. Like mm -hmm. and like, most people want to play for hundreds of people, thousands of people. Most people want to get it out there. They want people to hear it, right? So. I think I, I I understand that from an emotional internal internalized standpoint. So I enjoy whoever I'm working with. Anyone that wants me to help them is exciting because I just know what what an honor it is. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. Like there's of course like creating a song in a night is a rush. Like that's that's such a thrill, you know. But also too like once you get past that wrestling phase with someone who is bringing you a song and you get the arrangement locked in, you start dressing it up, and then that that artist gets pumped about it. Oh yeah that first time they're like, Oh my gosh, like they get it. You know, then it's, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's almost more rewarding because of the wrestling that took place beforehand. You know, that's cool. Yeah. So I enjoy both of it. Yeah. So going through the struggle of it and what does it look like for you? And I know it's been a short time uh, for you as a producer, uh, but what does it look like for you to gain that trust with an artist? You're just doing a good job, man, you know, and like going the extra mile, like doing, doing more than you're paid for to do, you know, and like, um, I think that's the big thing, you know, and like, for instance, like, uh, if I'm, I sell songs too, I basically sell skeletons, you know, mm -hmm. um, like it's like giving them a great song. Like you want them to think like, how come he didn't keep it for himself, you know? Right. And right. then also too, again, like putting that work into a production where like, it's like you're, you're the you're putting so much work into it, you would think you're the artist behind it and that the artist is like wow this person really gave above and beyond because that was one thing i i struggle with with producers is like i would not all of them but some of them you would get with them and then they'd be like oh, i'm gonna work on this and they send you what they told you they worked on and you're like it sounds just like a sound when i left you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying yeah and I would, like, that thanks <laughs> yeah yeah it's like that, that <laughs> That always me the I'd like way, my sixteen hundred dollars like, back, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like oh yeah, I mixed it and did all this stuff to it, and I'm like okay, and you're like you're trying to like struggle to hear what they did to it, you know? Yeah. Like I don't ever want that to be the case. Like I want it to be like okay, we're done. I told you I'm gonna do something to it, and the next time you hear, I want to blow your mind. So that's I think that's a trust thing too. Like I'm I'm invested in this when you don't even see me, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, like if they only think that you're working when you're getting in front of them. You know, that, that I think that kills a lot of trust too, you know? Yeah, that's that's huge, man, because it really hits on what I'm looking for in, in really anyone I work with in the industry, uh, whether it be like on any piece of medium that's going to be part of building a music career is the idea of vision. And like, I love when someone takes like something I'm putting together, whether it be like a bass player that I'm hiring or a photographer or whatever, and, and then they have vision beyond what I could see, you know, and it's because yeah. it's like, I have this big vision for it where I want it to go, but it's like, I want to be partnered with people like you're talking about, like what you're doing. It's like, yes. it's like, oh, that's cool. But have you thought of this? You know, where <laughs> I remember, uh, our, uh, it was Josh Gleave as producer that I worked with out in Nashville. And he was, he, I had sent him a track. We've been working for a year or two together and, uh, kind of like dance around, kind of learn how to work with each other. And I sent him this track of just acoustic. And then he sent me this thing back with like a dubstep, like almost like remix version of it. And 
I was like blown away. I was like, I had never imagined that song that way, but now I can't unimagine it because it's way yeah. cooler than what I did. And, and yeah, that, like you're saying, I think that does, at least for me, an artist like me, that would earn a huge amount of trust because that's everyone I'm working with. Matt Richards is another guy I'm working with right now. Same kind of thing where I, I brought in a song that was more like almost Lumineers esque and he turned it mm -hmm. into this like alternative rock vibe that had some angst to it. I was like, mm. I, I'm digging this. I'm digging it. Yeah. I'm loving it. It's it's really wild. Um, I also also too want to talk good about producers I worked with because I feel like that's a. I don't want to act like I'm jaded, but <laughs> like a really. But I, good I do think it's good for for other artists though to hear like what a bad producer might be though. So I I don't fault yeah. you in that too. Where but uh, but to the good producing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to come back to the, uh, come back to that thing with the artists too, and right after this. But um, so. Like it's really wild when you work with good producers because they'll pull influences out of you that you don't even like. You like, for instance, I worked with someone and they pulled out like some sort of like a Sam Smith vibe out of my one of my songs once. Nice. And um, I don't write thinking about Sam Smith. I don't write thinking like I could do a Sam Smith thing. But that person saw that influence and 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 made it this thing. So good good producers will somehow I don't and I don't think it's conscious. I think it's unconscious that they do this. But like they'll pull out some deep influence you have that you couldn't even know you can incorporate into what you do. I think that's another right. sign of a good producer. Um, back to artists though. I think uh, artists are like this uh, in the business, especially are like this expendable, like you can like uh, under valued part of the process. And I think a mm -hmm. lot of artists go into creative situations with a, uh, what's that word? Um, they just they 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 come into a situation thinking they're like the, the lowest denominator in there, right? They they hmm. just think they're the smallest part of the process. Like they're always looking at the producer like they're the Wizard of Oz, and they're looking at the man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know I'm talking about though. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm just speaking from my experience. Like I'm, I remember I remember being in my first like proper production, like as an artist, and like thinking like this guy has all the answers. This guy knows so much more than I do. Like so, you know, yeah. who who am I? But uh, I think too, another reason artists trust me is because I'm always like, you tell me when I'm on, some, I'm on BS, you tell me when that's not it. Like, and if you don't feel like it's right, it's not right. You got to tell me that, you know? And so yeah. I think that's another thing too. Like, I don't take anything that I do personal. Like if you hate it, then tell me, like, that's another thing too. It's like, I want this song to be amazing and I want you to want to play it. Like, I want you to want to show people. I want you to want to share it. I want you to want to play it live this way. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's something too, I think the artists need to understand is like this thing revolves around you. Like this mm -hmm. music business revolves around the artist and um, walk into these situations. You're first of all, you're paying people anyway. Right. Yeah. And then they had, so they automatically have to do what you're saying, but yeah, at the end of the day, they work for you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Be more confident. And you're ultimately the one that has to go out and make this record happen after it's done. Mm -hmm. So that's a, I do think that's a great point. Cause I, that is the piece where it's like, I want people to have vision, but I remember uh, a good friend of mine, a guy named Corey Bishop, a very talented writer. Uh, that was one thing he said, cause he had moved to Nashville and he was like, I, he had like a term for it. Like I Nashvilled up that or some, it's some kind of like little term where basically he was like, he's like, this town is great, but sometimes people just shit all over it. Cause they have a whole different vision than you had. So he, like his encouragement to me was, was hold on to your vision, even as people are, are taking it. And it was really good advice. Cause I remember the first band I was with, we had like a development deal 
um, we were working with this producer who got, he like came in as a favor to somebody else. So he, you could tell like the first day, he just seemed kind of annoyed that he was even working with us. Luckily we had earned, like by the end of the day, he was like getting excited. And he told us the next day he took us lunch. He's like, all I know is there was some band from Kansas that won some contest. And I, I was doing this as a favor. Like, and he was like, frankly, I was just annoyed, but I like work with you guys and I like what you're doing. <laughs> so it's like, if yeah. he wouldn't, if he wouldn't have came around, and it was that same vibe that first day was like, it just wouldn't have been an enjoyable process. I'm sure it wouldn't have yielded uh, what we wanted. And, and honestly, I like when I like when I can argue with people creatively, like where you yeah. get into like, what about this? No. And, and you go back and forth to find something. Uh, usually I find in those where there's like that headbutt in a way, I think usually it gets you to an even better idea that wasn't A or B. Like there's a C right. somewhere in there as you wrestle it out and figure it out together. So I think that's a great, that's a great perspective that you're talking about. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Attention is huge. It's just like life, you know, your life gets, your life always comes to a head at some point. It's like always on the other side of that is the best next thing. Yeah. And it's like that creatively too. Yeah. Definitely, man. So when it comes to your own writing, though, what, what does that look like for you? What is your process when you're crafting your own songs look like? Oh, it's strenuous. Um, I get really into it. Like, for the, for, I mean, for the longest time, it was just me and my guitar. And um, I was of, I'm of the conviction, like, if it sounds good with just some simple chords, like, it's a good song, you know? So mm. um, not, not necessarily simple chords, but just like one guitar part and a vocal, like, and, you know, if it's in the computer, some like, chord progressions and on, on keyboard or something but um for, for the longest time it was just you know playing guitar until something like struck me you know and it usually was like back when i lived with my parents i'd be playing downstairs because they had a hardwood floor it just sounded so good oh yeah. you know on the hardwood floor and then usually like what what would normally happen is like oh you know like i get taken away by emotion i want to sing so i'll just go sneak up to my room and just write in private i do like to write in private i don't like when people are around um of course if i'm co-writing i have to get over that but <laughs> um I, I like to write by myself like i like to i like to like here in my in my studio apartment i i open uh the windows i, I, have, the, I have the lights of all the buildings around me and yeah. stuff and i put the i put the color lights on i usually like to have like like a like a, like a bourbon or something like that and just like let the chord progression play and just kind of like sing along to it i do i do a fair amount of that uh like the gibberish writing i don't know about if you know about that yeah where you just kind of so, like uh, mumble over with a melody you're trying to find a melody and a vibe yeah it's maybe maybe words pop out too if you're super lucky mm -hmm. um so i do a lot of that now because the the volume's higher um so you know i don't have enough time to really wait till the you know the words strike me these days you know but i mean that still happens. yeah i gotta turn some shit out too man yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah, yeah. Going. <laughs> sometimes sometimes i get those beautiful melodies from above but sometimes you know i just have to i just have to work through it and normally i think more times than not you find something and then the topic kind of just presents itself to you um but i guess for a practical purpose for someone that's listening who maybe has a hard time writing what you do is you find a great chord progression that you love that makes you feel anything, right? And you're like, oh, I love this chord progression. Put it in, if you could, if you could loop it on a looper or if you have logic, put it in the logic, loop it. And then uh, just start just start humming over it, melody over it. And then you, then again, trust trust your, your taste, I guess you would say like, hey, I like that part. That sounds like a verse. Don't think twice about it. Put it out there, lay it out the way you want it. Put, put some, some, put some words to it. 
start to feel out a topic, create that story in your mind of where the song's going, and then do the same thing with the chorus. And you could you could make a song pretty quick. Um, and then I so that's what I, that's what I like to do. So usually I try I try when I sit down I do it at night. I do it in one night. I try to get a really great structure for a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge. If it's that that genre that requires a bridge, and then I'll uh, I'll sit with it for a day or two, and like then I'll be um, mean to myself, and I'll I'll go through like oh no, you can say this better, you can say this cooler, you can say this in less cliche way. That that's how my process is now. It's more definitely it's a process now versus waiting for the inspiration to hit. <laughs> that kind of hit you behind, but I bet it would be inspiring. I, for those listening, you can't really see it, obviously, but your view behind you looks like it's pretty inspirational <laughs> view uh, looking over the city there. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, I, I have, like that. I have the the lake, Lake Michigan, right over here. Damn. And I can see, uh, I can see the planetarium, and then if I if I peek out the window this way, I can see like Navy Pier and stuff. So, Lollapalooza, Lollapalooza was happening right across the street from my. Uh, condo nice. so, so you can just throw up in the windows and yeah i mean you couldn't hear it that well it was like because there's like so much music happening at once you know but, I uh, it was it was cool <laughs> it was cool to be around the energy of it though you know i bet i bet yeah. yeah now you said you're uh selling songs as well is that are you getting more into like licensing or are you selling songs to artists specifically to then record and put out so I just got approached to do some licensing stuff recently. So I haven't successfully done that yet, but um, I'm sure it'll turn out to be something. Um, the person I'm, I'm, I'm collaborating with somebody and then they have a history of being successful at that. So I will be doing that. But my, my passion really is with artists. And like my, my passion really is with like um, show, live shows and, and, and creating records. Like that really is where my passion is like, um, I'm willing to wait for the big payouts for that just because I love it so much. And it's really what gets me going. Yeah. Like I don't get, I don't get jazzed with the idea of like making like background music or put trying to make a song that fits a commercial or a jingle. Like I, that's just not me. Like I, I, I respect the hustle for people that do it, right. but it's, it's not going to get me up in the morning. It's not going to make me work long hours. If it's, it's going to be something I'm going to spend like 30 minutes to an hour once in a while on it. But with artist stuff, like I get super into it and, it feels mm -hmm. like I, I I'm energized by that. So I really am focusing on, on, on artists and helping artists right now, but I do have some stuff I'm doing like for licensing. Right. Pay some bills with the, the other piece and, and do the passion piece. And the, like you said, the long-term payout uh, in the end is kind of the big focus for you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the fulfillment thing too, you know, yeah. Is it the is the fact of just seeing someone come alive, seeing helping their dream come alive? Is that what excites you about it, or is it oh something yeah, else? man? Like on my tombstone, it's gonna say, "If you knew Nate, he pushed you off the cliff." Like that's like everyone who knows <laughs> I love everyone it. who every everyone who knows me knows like you don't come to me with excuses. Like if you tell me your dream, it's the last thing you wanted to do because it's like I just I I'm super invested <laughs> in making sure you do it. You know, and like, I'm going to be sending you every book and every talk I listen to that I think is relevant to what you're talking about. Like, I, I love seeing someone go for it and then have even minor success, you know, is like exciting, but also too, cause I know how much personal growth comes with chasing your ambition. But yeah, I think it is that it's the artist thing, but it's also like, man, it's like the people who get impacted by that artist, mm -hmm. you know, like that's the crazy thing. Like as a, as a producer, not only as an artist, of course you reach people who listen to you, but then 
as a producer, you're helping artists who are reaching more people too. Mm-hmm. So that that's the thing too. I just understand how powerful music has been in my life. And uh, I don't know. That's it's it's a I'm sure it's a bigger bag than that. And like, but that's the first two things that came to my mind. I love it that uh, on your tombstone, if you knew Nate, he pushed you off the cliff. Is that what it? That's what you said. Yeah, something. I love that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we might have to find a more poetic, <laughs> more poetic way to say it. But I don't know. I think that little... might be it. I... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's inspiring, and it's cool to hear too because I I've had a handful of people in my life who have been those people uh, to me. And it's like, I, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Like, and it's, it's people who, cause I had a season of quitting music. And then mm-hmm. I remember uh, stepping off stage as a friend of mine named Keelan Donovan, we were playing, he's a very successful songwriter um, and, you know, getting his stuff on a bunch of different movies, doing all this stuff. And we just happened to play this gig together uh, just shortly after I decided to start doing music again, I step off stage and he grabs me like by my face, like both sides of my face. And he's like, don't you fucking quit music. Don't you fucking do it. And I was like, like, I almost cried right there, you know? And I yeah. have other friends who have done that same thing where they're, they're like, Hey, you know, sometimes it's hey, stop being a bitch and get to work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. Or it's like, it's like, you know, when I need that kick in the ass and sometimes it's that, that piece where I needed that, like, I don't even know what, what that would be console consolation. I I'm trying to make up a word there, but, but yeah, that I think it's vital for artists to have people who are going to fight for them, but challenge them. Like you said, to push off the cliff and uh, it's cool that you have that vision, man. And I think that's going to go well for where you're going, especially already seeing success in your first year of doing producing, yeah. man. And in the fact that you also know the plight, you know what it's like to be on the road, you know what it's like to try yeah. to, book those gigs and build those yep. fans <laughs> in different markets. And so yeah. you were in, but you were in LA previously. Is that correct? Yeah. I, I was born and raised in Chicago, uh, okay. suburbs of Chicago for anyone from the actual Chicago listening. Like Naperville, uh, Elgin. What? Uh, right by Elgin, there's a town called Streamwood. Um, okay. I'm not so familiar that, with that's that where one. I'm from. It's a small, it's a really small town. No reason to go there. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I used to work out I, in St. Charles out there. Is it close okay. to St. Yeah, Charles? Yeah, that's like, 30 minutes away. Yeah. It's like literally, literally literally it's right by Elgin. It's way, it's really, it's like 10 minute drive to Elgin. Okay. Um, so I grew up in, I grew up in Streamwood. Um, I I mean, I love the people there in the town. I was there for until I was 24. Um, I was, I was playing out up to that point, like from like 18 till, till that time. And I, I had some minor success here in the city. Like uh, we 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 played House of Blues quite regularly. Like we were we had a pretty good crowd, but a lot of it was like hustle. Like it was, it was me out there selling tickets. Me out there like, you know, kind of pressuring my homies to come see me. You know, it was like we had some fans that weren't our family and friends, but like most of it right. was just me like getting my homies out there. Um, and so I don't know. I uh, my girlfriend was in California for school and you know, everyone was like, like anybody with any advice that doesn't really know anything. They're like, you need to be, either be in Nashville or LA. Right? That's like what they, so I was like, well, my girlfriend's in LA, so I might as well do it. Right. And so, yeah, I just, I went out there, I had two suitcases and my guitar and no job lined up, no car, no nothing. And like, that's like the place, perfect LA story, bro. That's, <laughs> I, I had a, I had a, I had a, I had a place to stay with uh, someone I met out there before. And, uh, cause my girlfriend was living with her parents. And I just figured it out. So yeah, I was in LA for a long time and 
learned so much though. Like I, I thought I was going to stay there forever and like wait, build up to the point where I could have a Malibu house and stuff. But it was yeah. really the lockdown that, that sent me back here. Cause, uh, I, I hadn't seen my family for like a year. Um, I knew California was going to take longer to open up than Chicago would. And, um, you know, I needed to make some money and stuff. So yeah, came back here, but it's been, it's been great being back. That's awesome, man. Well, um, man, it sounds like you've had an adventurous year and a half despite, uh, COVID despite <laughs> a long lockdown in that. And, uh, but Unfortunately, I got to wrap to the last two questions. I I feel like we could, like we could uh, talk about all this music stuff for a while, man. I, I, it's been cool hearing that story, though. I think there's going to be artists. I know there's artists who listen to this podcast who are who are just starting or early on, and I think that'll be some inspiring stuff for people. Um, and just I, anytime I constantly try to talk to other artists about the the concept of working with a producer. And how value how valuable it can be if it's the right one if it's the right fit yeah. and yeah. I think you help pull the curtain back uh, in a really a, a great way to show people like here is the value of it and and how powerful it can be as an artist and and how essential really it is but uh, for the last two questions uh, for you right now how would you define living a great life? Ooh, I got chills. Um, what? Earl, Earl Nightingale says uh, the gradual realization of a, of a worthy ideal, you know, and I think that that gradual realization is so important, especially for artists. Cause I think there's a lot of artists li listening to this musicians, even like, you know, there's the, the story that the person got discovered when they were 12 on YouTube or like the person who was playing some bar and then got rescued by a label or something like that is like, how we think this thing works. It's not how it works. It's gradual, you know, and gradual can mean a year, it can mean five, it can mean 10. Like in my case, like I've been at this for 10 years, but celebrating, um, gradually realizing what you want to be doing and doing more of what you want to do, uh, and, and, and making a living at it, I think is like the best, best measure and celebrating little wins. Like if you could buy yourself a dinner with your, with your music money, the first, like I'm telling you like that pizza tastes so good. When you, when you buy it with the money you made from music, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think, I think understanding this can be a gradual thing, but celebrating that and, 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 and uh, making sure you're observing those kinds of things. Uh, I guess that's what I would say. That's awesome. And yeah, that, that perspective, the gradual growth. Uh, do you know Gary V? Do you listen to him at all? Oh yeah. Love, love Gary. Yeah. Yeah. I love that guy. My wife jokes that he's my personal savior. Now he's uh, Gary V's my, my new Jesus. But, uh, one thing he says is, uh, like everything is just one more step for him. And I think you probably heard him talk about that where like he had that, that big TV show, and people are like, are you excited? This is your big break. And he's like, big break. It's just another step. Like, I'm just going to keep going. I'm not to where I want to be. I just keep going each step and each step matters. And that was, that was a huge uh, perspective shift for me, I think too. And yeah. so uh, last question, how would you define right now creating great things? Authenticity all the way, you know? All, all, all the rules that we have, we have to, and there's certain rules you have to follow when you write songs and stuff, of course, but like authenticity trumps everything else, you know, authentic, on, uh, being authentic to yourself and like what, you know, is, is great, you know? 
So that's that's what I would say. I'm gonna say this last thing and I'll let you go, I promise. Um no, it's all for, good. for for um for artists, especially young artists who still feel a lot of influence from the 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 older people around them, whether they're parents or mentor figures or whatever, like the faster you can break the chains of their influence on you and like and start to like I said have your worthy ideal and and celebrate gradually realizing it. And if that means you have to be independent, live on your own, whatever it means, like the happier you will be, I promise you. So Mm -hmm. um, that would be my last little gem is, you know, surround yourself with people who are going to lift you up, encourage you, but then allow you to do what's true to yourself. So. That's a great bookend and just trusting uh, that inward piece of, of yourself. So where you started us and you ended us there, which is some good stuff, man. I love it. Hey. Let everyone know how they can find uh, your own music and how they can connect with you about production and uh, licensing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I would say um, every every handle is Nathan M. Weber, M as in Michael in the middle there. And then uh, my music's under Nathan Weber on all the streaming platforms. I mean, DM me on my Instagram is probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Uh, pretty, pretty good about it. So, and you know, I love working, so whatever, reach out. (laughs) That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, of course. Peace, man. Thank you for listening to the live and create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The live and create podcast.